I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, this very magical episode is brought to you by Quip. It's 11.30 in the morning. We are surrounded by children. (laughs) And I am wasted. You know what that is? That's the sound of someone under the influence of magic for the first time. And by magic, I mean a certain mind-altering substance. And by someone, I mean me, Matt Bellisai, host of your favorite podcast, Unhappy Hour. Why am I wasted at 11.30 in the morning surrounded by children? Well, first of all, I shouldn't have to explain myself to you. But in this case, it's because I wanted to make a very special episode of Unhappy Hour about my love-hate relationship with the books that will never die, the story of a young slave boy who gets abducted by a giant and placed in a school for insane children, the one and only world of Harry Potter. Today's show, therefore, is a special journey. A journey involving magic and adventure and everyone's favorite school for witchcraft and wizardry and also probably a lot of masturbating because let's face it, they were teenagers and that school is covered in their juices. But really, everybody fucking loves Harry Potter. Even 20 years later, we can't stop talking about it. There's new encyclopedias, I guess, new plays, new movies. J.K. Rowling makes a new character a sexual minority every week on Twitter. We can't get enough. But in the grand tradition of unhappy hour, we can't just let people like things. So we decided to take on the world of Harry Potter unhappy hour style by getting high for the first time and going to the wizarding world of Harry Potter in California. Yes, it's true. I am a self-professed alcoholic on the internet, but I have never truly been high on marijuana before this. So my producer Barry and I traveled out to California, where it's illegal now, Mom, took some weeds, and then went to the great wizarding world of Harry Potter to see just how well this wizard stuff holds up in the face of a grown man who's truly fucked up for the first time in his life. It's 11.30 in the morning. We are surrounded by children. (laughs) And I am wasted. Will I even survive? Who's to say? I could be dead right now. This could be a ghost recording this. But luckily, that's not all we have for you in this special Unhappy Hour episode, even though that would be enough. After I maybe or maybe didn't survive the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, we headed back to the studio for a more aggressive Juan whipping of our favorite books for a debate with a friend of mine, Entertainment Weekly staff writer and Harry Potter expert Mark Snedeker, which was really less of a debate and more of me screaming at Mark about how Harry Potter is an asshole and demanding that he defend him. But just like J.K. Rowling on Twitter, we're not quitting yet. (laughs) Because there's more. 
We have an interview with one of the cast members of the Harry Potter universe, and I won't give it away yet, but let's just say you're gonna love it real good. <laughs> it's Luna, Luna Lovegood. Ivana Lynch came to the studio to talk about her life since the movies, and also how we're both gonna be ultimate fighting champions, which I've realized has been my prophecy all along. So let's do it, let's get going, let's get started. Tuck your big fat wands back in your undies and let's head on down to the wizarding world of Harry Potter. As a disclaimer, no hippogriffs, house elves, or sexy underage wizards were harmed in the making of this episode. Also, recreational marijuana use was totally legal in California at the time of this recording, so please don't arrest me because I won't survive an hour in jail. Let's start out where it all started. In a small cupboard under the stairs, there lived a boy named Matt who had never taken a weed before, mostly because he doesn't like smoking. But then they invented a thing called edibles, which is drugs, but also food, which just so happens to be one of my top five favorite things in the world. So here's what happens when you're sitting in a car in the parking lot about to take your first weed. Good morning. We're in a vehicle right now. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. We're eating. Eating what? Candy. What kind of candy? Watermelon candy. What kind of watermelon candy? With marijuana in it. It's good. It just tastes like if a skunk shat out a watermelon. Now, before we head into the Wizarding World, I should start off by saying I don't like theme parks very much. But that's all about to change. As my producer Barry, her random friend Ellen, and I are about to enter. So let's go. Tell us where we are. Tell us what's about to happen. We are at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. We're about to enter. Three will enter. One will leave. <laughs> I'm ready to experience the world of Harry Potter wizarding witches, owls, trolls, a train, castles, wands. All right, if you've never been to the grand wizarding world of Harry Potter in Hollywood, let me describe the entire scene. Imagine a shoebox full of snow, then take a shit in it, then put a curse on it. That's your park. Just kidding. I mean, I guess it's pretty magical. There were owls and non-alcoholic butterbeer. We saw a hippogriff, which was very surprising. <gasps> a hippogriff. <laughs> so we decided we should probably actually do something other than sitting around shitting on the train that shouldn't be at Hogsmeade and marveling at grown men and women in insulating robes. So we stood in line for 45 minutes in the blazing sun, waiting to ride a goddamn hippogriff. And by riding a hippogriff, I mean the hippogriff roller coaster. Even though technically it's a ride for children and not a roller coaster. But I am a grown baby, and I don't like roller coasters because under regular circumstances, I am already seconds away from vomiting all over myself, so I don't like testing my digestive system's fortitude by riding a goddamn horse with a beak. But obviously, we rode the dang thing. And I had to sit next to someone's mom, and I screamed my face off because that shit is scary. Matt, what just happened? Honestly, honestly, 
<laughs> it was way worse than I thought it was going to be. I did not like that at all. That, <laughs> I blacked out. <laughs> I literally blacked out. The ride was approximately one minute long. I'm not even trying to be funny when I say that was terrifying to me. It was scary. At this point, we've been at the park for like an hour and a half. I've had three watermelon gummies. I drank a tall boy. It's hot as fuck outside. I'm wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt because I'm a doughboy who can't survive in the sun. And this is the moment when the magic hits. It's kind of like when Hagrid tells Harry he's a wizard, except instead of Harry learning he was a wizard, it was me realizing that I was really super fucking high. And I should add, before you hear this, that I do sound like a teenager drinking his first Goldschlager. I fully recognize that people who are cooler than me, who do weed all the time, are going to be like, I'm so cool, you're such a loser, Matt. But you know what? This is how it happened, okay? This is the first time I realized I was high, and we captured it on tape just for you. And BT dubs, Barry's pretty fucked up too, as you're about to hear. I do think I'm starting to actually feel high because I was texting on my phone, and midway through, I realized I was texting someone I knew, but on someone else's phone. <laughs> and the fucked up thing is, it... <laughs> It is my phone. <laughs> In case anyone's counting, yes, this is a solid 22 seconds of uninterrupted high giggling. That's Ellen, who just got back from the bathroom to ask us what the hell is going on. I was texting on my phone. (laughs) I was texting. Okay. I was texting on my phone, and halfway through I was like, whose phone is this? (laughs) I thought he was texting... And having reached the pinnacle of our high, we thought it best to leave. For our own safety and the safety of the literal billions of children around us at the moment. And then, full of food and cheer and adventure, we got the fuck out. Forever changed. And all was well. Oh! oh, oh. How would you rate that experience nine and three quarters out of ten ah! boom ah! <laughs> well eventually I sobered up I slept for approximately three days when I woke up I remembered the lessons that I learned mostly a I still fucking hate theme parks But B, I love eating drugs. (laughs) But my quest to unhappify Harry Potter continued. Now, when I was a kid, I used to read a bunch, obviously because I was so smart. 
I read Harry Potter and also magazines like Playgirl and Entertainment Weekly. Sophisticated stuff. But really, I loved Entertainment Weekly so much that I was determined to write a letter to the editor that they would publish in the front of the magazine. So I wrote a letter for their Harry Potter issue. It was the one before the Goblet of Fire movie, so I was like 14. And guess what? They fucking called my house to verify my information so they could print my letter. But my mom answered the phone and she was like, he's a minor. And then they didn't publish my letter. So now, 14 years later, I decided to sit down with Mark Snedeker, staff writer for Entertainment Weekly and Harry Potter enthusiast, and challenge him to a debate over the finer points of Harry Potter. But mostly, this is just my quest for vindication for the fact that his dumb shit magazine never published my letter. (sighs) Even though I still subscribe to the paper copy of Entertainment Weekly. So let's get into the debate. We are here with Mark Snedeker, staff writer at Entertainment Weekly. Staff writer, right? Yes. Are you? Do you write every bullseye? I do. I do the bullseye at the back of the magazine. Yeah, the really funny part in the back of the magazine. (laughs) Um, Mark is a huge fan of the Harry Potter world. We brought Mark here uh, on the pretense that it would be a debate, but really it's just going to be me yelling at you and then you will okay. have a chance to defend Harry Potter. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm on board. I, I, the second I realized we were debating, I got nervous and then I thought, no, like, fuck it. Like, let's do it live. First point, we'll just get right into it. Harry Potter is objectively a fucking asshole. Like, he's a bad person. Oh a bad person? Okay, I think we can separate asshole from bad person. Okay, so why? Why? <laughs> okay, A. Oh my god. So, first of all, he's a trust fund kid. Okay, he did not know he had a trust fund until he was 13 years old, and he never uses it. Still. He has so much money. Also, I was thinking about this. How did his parents make that money? You never know. That is one of those things that I've always wanted to know, and we never... We have to assume, I think the working knowledge in the fan community is, like, they inherited it themselves. Mm. Like... So, like, that's not He's fun. from a dynasty. Yes, it is really just dynasty. There is no 13-year-old child I know who inherited millions of dollars or whatever fucking currency they have that is well-adjusted and nice when they grow up. I mean, it is shocking he never uses his money. He only, he does it for, like, charitable things. So, against your point, like, he's always buying Ron candy because Ron can't afford candy. Candy? <laughs> That's the only thing the he kids ever buy. Candy. Literally, the only thing these kids buy is candy and school supplies. <laughs> so, like, he can buy Ron whatever he wants, and he buys him candy with his millions of dollars. What should he have bought? Like lobster? Papa Ron, Nana Ron's Hogsmeade family was lobster? living in like an upside down shoe. <laughs> Harry Potter could have bought Ron like an entire village. Do you think the Weasleys would take charity from Harry in that in that great quantity? Actually, they do. They should. Fred and George took the money to open the joke shop. I'm getting That's way true. ahead of myself. And guess, I'm sorry. guess what Harry Potter gave them? A war that killed one of them. <laughs> okay, we've we've agreed that Harry is a dick, I think. He, well, <laughs> we've come to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, he's there are times when Harry is like in his head and he's kind of a jerk to people, but also there are times he's really kind. And I think ultimately he's actually a really kind guy. So I'll defend him here a little bit, but I also I want to know what else you think. Because, uh, like, I, I do not want to die on the hill of Harry's nice. Like, I th- I care about many more things that I feel like I'll argue with you about. So I'll <laughs> let you have Harry's kind of an asshole. Like, fine. Let's whatever. just go through the three mains. So Harry, we got Ron. Ron, to me, is just 
just annoying. Yeah, there's, Ron, no, there's no redeeming no. qualities to Ron. He's loyal. And he's poor. Okay. Well, okay. So <laughs> he can still be a nice guy and be and be poor. Um I don't know. Ron, if you like went back and and took out Ron at every chapter for all seven books, I don't think anything would necessarily change. Like Harry's emotions would change, but Hermione figured out every puzzle, like of life. And then Harry like went ahead and did whatever he wanted to do. Ron Ron didn't do nothing. Like Ron Ron was a sounding board. Yeah. A redhead sounding board. Right. The other thing also that I just remembered was that all Harry did for like six books was cockblock Ron and Hermione. They ended up together. He didn't know he was cockblocking, but yeah, I mean, there was blockage. Well, I did you ever think Harry should just have ended up with Hermione? No. Oh, okay. Well, I feel Maybe, like they were much better than Ron. Like, I don't know what Hermione sees in Ron. She's a smart girl. He is not the boy for you. Go get go get the Quidditch player. Go get Victor Crumb. Yeah. He knows how to treat her, right? Ron, to me, has definitely, like, masturbated on the Hogwarts Express. Like, behind the woman pushing the chocolate cart. Like, <laughs> like under his view. robe a little bit. like a Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like another trolley chocolate deer. And she's like, no, no, no. Just yeah. do what you're doing. And she's like, why, do you, why, why is your face that's, like that? That's a vibe. <laughs> That's a vile thought. Hermione has her own issues. Uh, she could be a little uh, uptight. I don't think people would disagree sure, with that. Sure, sure, sure. I think the most accepted, uh, the most universal critique of Hermione, and I say universal because it is universal. Is it? I is don't know, know what you're going to say. <laughs> is her uh, un- undignified? What is the word I want? Not racist, because they're not a race. Her house, her house elf campaign. Her thing for elves, yes. Spew, sure. whatever it was called. Yes. Society uh, for the Protection of Elvish Welfare. <laughs> I'm assuming. I mean, just how many just, times have you read the books? Are you like a once a year I mean, person? Do- no, I wish I was, but um, I mean, I've read them dozens of times. Okay, so Spew was her thing, and it was yeah, it was offensive because she did not talk to them. She was she is the typical example of an unhelpful ally. Right. She like did Peace Corps once. Like right. didn't talk to any of the natives, built one irrigation system and went home. Yes. Yeah. And talked about it for the next 20 years. So fuck Hermione. Uh, <laughs> she means well. She she means well. I she's just she's smart. She's amazing. She's incredible. Like no like no. she's perfect. She's a model. She looks like Linda Evangelista. <laughs> Um, Dumbledore, another character who is gay, gay, but he just let a bunch of kids die. Well, it wasn't his choice. And like with Harry too, like it wasn't their choice that like Voldemort decided to come back at this time period, you know, but Dumbledore did have a lot of problems that, um, we do kind of dismiss because he was like a nice old father figure to Harry or like grandfather figure, uncle figure. I don't really know what Dumbledore was. <laughs> Maybe to. like creepy gay uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I think Dumbledore, Dumbledore is uh, irresponsible. Yes, I, I think would agree. He's senile. I think he lost it a long time ago. Maybe because his sexuality was so suppressed. Yeah. Uh, no, I I don't disagree. And he also probably would have fucked Harry Potter. I mean, that like strong agree. You know, but like. Like, either agree or disagree, strong agree. Five. This is also related. Slytherin, basically like a Nazi hate group. Like, Nazi group. Hogwarts under Dumbledore was just like, sure, 
sure. You just get to stay. Right. That is, and, and <laughs> like they're just like unapologetically a white power group. Just for those few years. <laughs> like, just for those few years. I feel like Slytherin, Slytherin, think of like rich kids from Beverly Hills or like used car salesmen or like, like Broadway <laughs> understudies who would like shatter someone's spine and get the role. But I feel like Slytherin, like for all the bad Death Eaters and Death Eater adjacent people in Slytherin during the series, there were also like probably a couple like sassy gays and like mean girls who were in Slytherin and just thought I do not want to be a part of this like do not loop me in like I like Bernie 2024 like I I it just feels like like there were people in Slytherin who were just like bad people but they weren't evil they were just like bad people I don't know I guess I would agree that unlike you know voting for someone you don't vote to be you were selected you know you're a Slytherin right I am yes like, are you aware of this? What do you? What did Gay you think gas. you were walking in here? I think I'm one of those people who probably is a Hufflepuff but doesn't like to admit it. That's courageous. That makes you a Gryffindor. Actually, <laughs> but anyone think that you're a Hufflepuff makes you courageous. Yeah, but anyone who says they're a Gryffindor, like self-identifies I'm a Gryffindor, they're a Hufflepuff. It's like every if you say you're a Chandler, you're a Ross. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just how I always felt. No, I feel like most people don't realize they're Slytherin. Like, if you're ambitious, you're Slytherin. By the way, I will take the Pottermore quiz by the end of this episode, so we'll get to the bottom of it. But first, back to the debate. Hogwarts, I think, of as a school, it's not a good school. Like, how did they learn about sex? Yeah. How did they how did Math. they learn how to drive? Well, I don't think they needed to. Math. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Lessons. <laughs> they yeah. didn't even have like yeah, basic. Hermione took like arithmancy, which was like purported to be this really like advanced class that Ron and Harry were too dumb to be in. Yeah. I'm assuming that that's the Just equivalent like of math. Algebra. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, we don't need math. Like where we're going, we don't need math. That's true. I mean, technically we don't anymore either because we all have calculators and they mm. are, that's like the, an, a wand is basically just an iPhone. Sure. It could, it's also a gun. Yeah. Technically. Right. Um, It's an iPhone gun. That's it's, true. That's fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's really fucked up. You could like be like accioing like some rose on one hand and then be like, I'm done with you. Like you stole my parking space about a cadaver. Right. Hogwarts also built next to like a haunted forest. It's just like from the beginning, not great. Not great ideas. Yeah. Also built by like a quarter built by a Nazi. Uh yeah. a terrible teacher turnover. Very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no there's no, like, tenure at Hogwarts. No, no tenure, although they live on campus. Like, where? Yeah, they <laughs> would do. would love to know where. Where do they eat? Where do they... I mean, they eat in the Great Hall, I guess, but I don't know. Like, what's it like to be a teacher at Hogwarts? Like, does that fucking suck, or is it awesome? And I what do you do the cool. rest of the year? There's yeah, no summer school at Hogwarts. Where does McGonagall go? What happens she, if she, she fails? she go back to the Cape? She's a cat. She can do whatever she wants. What would you be? What would I be? The, if you could trans transfigure yourself. Oh. Or like anim animagus. We played a game in in a college class I took once where we all had to go around and say what animal we would be. And mm -hmm. before I could say, someone who I did not know, like, suggested on my behalf a beached whale. <laughs> <laughs> that is rude. I was That's like, shame. we're college students, and you are, like, bullying <laughs> me right now. <laughs> 
What a fucked up thing to do. Who would do that? I forget. I feel like it was someone Can I, say I like, what I kind of knew, too. A beach whale. No. No. I get like... Actually, I don't want to say this. Is it like an elephant? Or no. No, no, no. It's like cool. I get like groundhog vibes. <laughs> Like, great. <laughs> no, like, a Groundhog, like, knows a lot, comes out once a year to, to tell you how it is, and then goes back down in the hole. And you don't need to see, if, like, hear from him, see him, but you know he's there. He's in the ether. He's doing his thing. You can't wait till you see him again. I'll take that. Yeah. See? That was sweet. What is... Ish. Yes, thank you. The only, the only last point I had about the actual story was that the name Albus Severus Potter is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an, thank an embarrassment. you. Yeah, it's like, I named you after the bravest people I ever knew. Ron and Hermione. <laughs> not Albus, not Severus. That is a terrible name to give a child. Uh, J.K. Rowling has become insufferable on Twitter. <laughs> she... <laughs> Ever since the like Dumbledore is gay thing, mm-hmm. it seems like which a lot of people hated because it was just like okay after you, the fact, right? Yeah, you can't just like make a man completely not gay and then just later on, like ten years later, be like, by the way, he took a dick once or twice. Okay, well, I don't think that was her exact quote, but like maybe it around was something that. like that. It was something like right. You don't get the points for being like progressive. You could, yeah, right. You don't get to say. And now you know. there's one tweet that I wish I remember, but it was something like, at this point, she's just like spinning a wheel, and it's like this week Hagrid yep. is pansexual. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McMillan is gluten free. Right. Yeah, and it's like enough. Absolutely. No, I I I completely agree. I think. And that's what's interesting about being a Harry Potter fan, like, in 2017. I'm a huge fan, but even when this anniversary rolled around the other day, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to engage. Don't engage. Like, don't <laughs> don't be one of them. And then once I started on one tweet, they just all came out. But, yeah, like, she's kind of expanding the universe, like, too much. And it's like... I- I'm Jewish. I don't need to know that there was a Jew at Hogwarts. Like you're not, you're not changing <laughs> my life. And cha- Nazis. She well, but she also one of the tweets was like, yes, Anthony Goldstein was Jewish. A, a lot of these like these retroactive re- retcon tweets, like they do drive me up the wall. Like she's like Hogwarts, you know, was free, no tuition, <laughs> no FAFSA. Like great, like keep, you, we didn't need that. We didn't need that. It's just diluting the thing I love. Right. So I try to just compartmentalize that and i just make fun of it a lot the other thing that has gotten to me lately is that people like to compare harry potter to like current events i don't like that (laughs) it's like yeah like holding up your wand at donald trump is not going to do a shit i I will say people hold up their wands for like memorials of like I've Dead Harry Potter that. actors. I've seen that. Nobody's like that's holding nice. up their wand, like being like Avada impeachment. You know, that's not a thing. Right. We're getting there though. We are getting there. And I will say, I think it's bullshit how people are like, yeah, Trump is just like Voldemort. No, Trump is not Voldemort. Trump is Pettigrew. Like, Trump is doing shit that people above him are telling him to do. Oh, and like yeah. smarter, wiser, point. more evil people than he is, Mike Pence, are telling him. So, like, guess what? Donald Trump is not Voldemort. He is, like, Lucius Malfoy, if anything. 
And Ivanka is Draco. Well, we just did the exact thing that I said is terrible. <laughs> well, but it, I mean, if you are going to make the comparison, at least be right about it. Don't glorify. Don't give Trump Voldemort is all I'm saying. Uh, well, thank you, Mark. I think we get all agree that I won. Uh, not that there were like any points or like you yeah, brought up good points. Winners. I will say good. So that I'll take as a concession. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you for having. Where me. could people find you if they wanted to read your tweets at J.K. Rowling? Well, there's only one place for that. So at Twitter, um, at Mark Snedeker, if you can spell that, um, or pick up uh, EW. Yeah, I'm, I'm there all the time. Well, thank you, and uh, goodbye. <laughs> I was trying to, is there like a Harry Potter goodbye? I mean, no, there's you, could, you could just kill me. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say a spell, because I draw the line at that. But okay. thank you for joining us. Oh, well, Kadabra. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think we can all agree I won that debate handily. <laughs> Just like Harry won that duel with Malfoy in the bathroom, and he was like, Sectum Sempra! And then Dr- Draco was on the ground, and he was bleeding everywhere, and then Snape came in, and he was like, You're a monster! Even though it was his spell to begin with! Hello, motherfucker! Anyway, next up, we talked to a real-live wizard, and by real-live wizard, I mean Ivana Lynch, right after this commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by the most magical toothbrush, Quip. Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. You might think that wizards would just whip up a spell to take care of their dental hygiene. Well, that's where you're wrong. Because wizards kept being like, what can we do to possibly store and travel with our toothbrushes easily and hygienically? And Quip was like, how about a mount that easily suctions on and off your mirror and that doubles as a cover for hygienic travel anywhere? Abracadabra, Alica Quip, am I right? (laughs) And what's more magical than a toothbrush that practically replaces itself? Quip subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com unhappy right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash unhappy, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash unhappy. My guest complainer today is Ivana Lynch. Ivana, of course, played Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter films, and she is currently starring in the stage production of Disco Pigs at the Irish Repertory Theater in New York. And she is a co-host of the vegan podcast, Chick Peeps. Welcome, Ivana. Thanks. Great Thanks to be here. Thanks for coming. <laughs> so let's catch people up. The first Harry Potter book came out 20 years ago at this point. The first movie that you were in, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, came out 10 years ago or a little over 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, I think the the story of how you became a part of the movie, everybody sort of knows. You 
auditioned for this role. It wasn't like J.K. Right. Rowling was like, I want okay. you. It was yeah, like- so, cause, so I wrote to her um, when I was very sick. I had an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I wrote to her and I kind of like explained to her that Oh, Harry Potter is the only thing that takes my mind off this and makes me feel like a normal person. And then she wrote back and she was so kind. And she like, we wrote, that was when I was 11. And we were writing to each other for like over those years. And it was always handwritten letters. It was really like a proper pen pal. And she was so caring and kind. And I remember she actually offered me, I told her I wanted to play Luna. I told her how much Luna means to me and um, how special I think she is. And I was like, I don't want some random actress to mess her up. And, uh, and I think Joe was like, she was like, said that she had no control over casting, but she was like, but if you ever want to be an extra on the film, um, I can always set that up. And I remember specifically writing back to her and being like, thanks so much, Joe, but if I be an extra, I can't be Luna. So <laughs> no, thank no, you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm you not going to be some random, hu- random Hufflepuff. No. <laughs> well, that's yeah. great because it worked out. Yeah, it was both. And then, yeah, so then. Uh, when I was 14, there was an open audition, and I, I read about that online, mm-hmm. and I didn't get to tell her because it happened within two weeks, so I didn't get to write to her. And then the producers, like, told her the new casting, and she saw my name and flipped out. Right. Yeah. How, after all this time has passed now, do you think you've become more like Luna, and how have you become less like her? Oh, interesting question. Um... More like her in that I, I don't care as much what people think about me. Mm-hmm. I used to be, especially on the films, oh my God, I was so conscious of being watched and trying to, even every take, I would try and nail it every time. And it's like, it take, it's taken me years to realize that isn't acting. You, right. It's about like surrendering and being in the moment and you can't control it. Um. So yeah, I, I care less what people think and I'm more comfortable with speaking my mind and who I am. And I, I think I've learned to trust that the more you open up and share about yourself, the more you'll meet your matches, the right yeah. people. Whereas I used to think if I share things, people won't like me. Right. And I need to be quiet about whatever things that are odd. Right. <laughs> um, and less like her, hmm. Um, I don't know. I definitely, I suppose, as I get older, I feel myself becoming a bit more cynical. <laughs> and like she's so positive and right. so much light. But uh, I don't know, man. Boys in relationships wear you down. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you have to, yeah. Um, and I try and keep I try and keep the lightness because I love that about her, that absolute optimism and love for people. Right. But also a, a side effect of having fame as a teenager, I would meet a lot of people who were interested in me because of that, and right. that made me trust. I, I was so trusting and so naive as a teenager, and then I start to realize, oh, these people really don't care that much about me yeah um and so that has made me be more guarded and more cagey but i think that was something that had to happen and it is good when you were younger did you want to be an actress do you know it's weird i just kind of expected i would be (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite answer (laughs) i don't ever remember saying i want to be that i just was like yeah obviously that's my destiny yeah i'm a born actress um and i think someone asked me recently like when was the moment you discovered you wanted to be and i was like I think it was when I went to church as a kid and I saw this big guy up on a stage and I was like, 
we, I want to be at the front of the story. I want to be telling people what's going on. <laughs> I just want to be Jesus. That's well, yeah. it. <laughs> and there was a children's mass where they would dress up and they would do nativity scenes. Right. And that was when I realized I wanted to be on stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I was also raised Catholic. I come uh-huh. from an Irish Catholic family. And um, it's the it's very theatrical. <laughs> 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 right. You learn a lot about uh, suppressing things <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, Bringing out the things that you want people to know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of acting involved. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's a tiny gay child. I was great. I was a great actor. Aww. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. Everybody knew. Um, do you ever wish you could sort of escape this universe? Like, are you ever like, I'm not Luna? Mm. Like, do people kind of come up to you and expect you to be this way? Even though you, you know, have said you're similar to this character. Yeah, no, no, seriously, like, I've been in therapy for years, like, with this particular problem, being like, I love this, I'm grateful for this, but I feel like I can't grow. Right. Like, it, 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 it is it is such a blessing and a curse, because mm-hmm. I'm so proud of that world, and I still love it. I still get so excited about the movies and the books when she puts new information out there, but at the same time, that's work I did when I was 14. Like, right, imagine right. the one thing... You did, you did when you were 14, that's the one thing people love and know about you and that's all they really want to talk about. And it's like, I didn't even know who I was then. I didn't really consider it as work. It was just me. I was kind of going along for this ride and it wasn't... And in a way, I, I, I almost put myself in that box because I am i don't trust that people will be interested in anything else but that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have to show that side of myself and I have to be that character. Um, so... Yeah, it has been a lot of years of therapy of trusting that I can like show other parts of myself. Right. They're as as valuable. No, I mean, I think the not the good thing, but you're not the only person who experiences that. I mean, that's like, yeah, I I imagine that that's a thing that not just actors, but, you know, a lot of people in entertainment are like, you have this thing that people know you by. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, I can do all of these other things, too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you an opportunity to like even, you know, I'm big into animal activism, animal rights. And somebody just invited me on like a trip to go to an animal sanction. I was like, that's so freaking cool. Like, (laughs) if that's like, you know, those little side effects or those perks of of it, it it does make my life so much more interesting and helps me expand uh, in other ways that I want to learn. But yeah, I do often wonder, like, I know I would be an actress even if I hadn't got this job, but I think I would be more, um, I would be more tenacious and more determined. Whereas I sometimes, I definitely from, from, doing acting young and being on a set with other people and, and not going to drama school, I sometimes feel like a fraud. I sometimes feel like, wait, I just kind of looked out and I don't know how to act and all these people have trained and have the technique. And that really sets me back. That's a, that's something I have to struggle with to, to mm-hmm. actually invest in myself and have faith in myself. And yeah, I often think if I'd had to fight harder for many more years, if I'd really had to hustle for an acting career, I think I would um, have more confidence almost. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should have confidence. I feel like we're <laughs> this is turning into like an Oprah podcast oh where I'm going to be like, you can do it. Please be <laughs> it's that. in you. Um, I mean, you came into the Harry Potter movies later than a lot of the other actors because your character was not introduced until the fifth movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were already a fan of the movies at that time mm-hmm. and the books and the stories. You have to remember, when I got that role... 
all these people were like all over my wall. Yeah. Like I made a mission to not have any wall showing in my bedroom. And it was just their <laughs> right. faces. I was even considering starting on the ceiling of having their faces <laughs> up there. So like part of the process of casting and getting that job was me taking down all those pictures and being like, okay, I have to see the most normal people as people I can be friends with, as people I can be right. colleagues with. But no, I definitely felt like, oh, they've done this for years. They're so naturally talented. Who am I? I just got this. And um, that was a thing. But I think I I did. I spent years, like I, I went to LA for five years. I studied a lot with different teachers. Mm-hmm. And I used to always apologize for saying I'm an actor because I think it's very an Irish mentality that like, oh, aren't you lucky to be in that world? Oh, that's not a real job. You just landed on your feet that kind of way. Right. And I was sort of like, I felt a bit, oh, I should be doing some sort of job I hate and I don't deserve to do such a fun job. And I used to, yeah, really make apologies for, oh, yeah, I'm actually an actor, but I don't know if I want to do it forever. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, kind of play downplay my passion but yeah recently i was at a party and somebody asked me what do you do and i was like yeah i'm an actor and it was the first time i was like that's freaking cool i really like that (laughs) i'm glad i kept at it right yeah Yeah, there is a thing that i i've noticed where especially with the internet sometimes the barrier to entry is lower and you can sort of get into it and feel like oh i just kind of accidentally got into this Mm -hmm. i don't actually belong here and then at a certain point when you admit, oh, I actually do want to be here, people are like, oh, well, you must be so fancy that you, like, right. want to do this. It's yeah. like, who are you? It's, I, like, pretentious. I hate that mentality. Yeah. It's, yeah. Do you know what? I started watching um, UFC fighters for that. <laughs> you know, sure. random. But I love, love their confidence. They have to be so cocky and so arrogant because if they have any ounce of doubt, they'll just get beaten to a pulp and like they have to they all say you hear them before they talk so much shit about their opponent and they say that they're the best thing especially conor mcgregor like he's a real hero of mine right they talk and they really they convince you that they're going to win and i will listen to both their interviews and i'll be like yeah they're both going to (laughs) win they're both absolute gods and i started watching them and being like i need to be more like that right right because it doesn't really matter whether you're right about your abilities or not it's so much to do with the belief in yourself yeah yeah i will let you punch me in the face if that makes you feel better (laughs) not what i meant okay i misunderstood uh so i guess luna also represented a type of like the world is a a world of of weirdos to begin with Uh and then luna sort of represents a weirdo (laughs) right is there a sort of pressure representing that type of person do you think that people come up to you and expect some like expect you to to have some wisdom about that world um yeah people they definitely dump a lot of their problems on me (laughs) well and i I mean it it has been a lovely thing to see from it that people say oh she inspires luna inspires them and i inspire them by association to be their true selves and to not be afraid to be different right i think sometimes i i definitely in the early days i felt like a pressure to be more quirky Mm -hmm. like we're more prince and (laughs) i don't know like (laughs) just be alternative and then I stopped doing that because I was like this isn't me I, yeah. I just want to be myself and I remember a fan actually said to me in, in person was like you've lost your magic <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know you need to and they were like uh, gave me this lecture on not to be 
uh, changed by Hollywood. It wasn't even in freaking Hollywood. It was in <laughs> London, in Watford, like yeah. <laughs> living in Ireland. And oh, not whatever. Don't let it wear you down and lose your spirit. And yeah, how I had lost my magic. No, that's like, so bad. Oh, <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> um, no, but but I, I get nice stuff of, yeah, it's so great to hear people say that she helped them be their true selves because she yeah. did that for me. Right. And if I've represented that on film, great. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's also like I have to remind myself it's not my responsibility and it's also not really my doing. It's more, you know, I was channeling her and that's her legacy and J.K. Rowling's thing. But I used to get very stressed about fan mail when somebody would say something extreme like help them recover from rape or abuse or right. like honestly I would get these kind of letters and I'd be like oh my god I have to I have to really support this person and be there and I would spend hours writing a letter and then I'd have a whole stack that I couldn't reply to and it was right. just like that's not my responsibility the best thing is to say thank you and send them love and um, a sweet note but you just can't be everyone's best friend and right um, I also very am careful not to create dependency between fans because I see some people like you send them back a tweet and then they're just like sending you so much. There's a guy I remember, oh, I shouldn't even mention him because he scares me, but on my <laughs> oh, Facebook no. messages page, like he's been writing to me for years, every day, novels, like he thinks I am Luna. And uh -huh. It's really, I was like, if this boy put all this time into something creative rather than this person who never answers him back, who's fictional and who's right. not really what he thinks he would have achieved something great by now right so, right try yeah. not to create dependency yeah an important lesson for people so yeah <laughs> don't grow dependent on on any one people person. you don't really know especially yeah like, i mean i'm guilty on... of it me too is there a person that you are most guilty of it with um <laughs> l like now yeah yeah <laughs> care to share <laughs> well so every time like uh, a, a relationship breaks down I always have like a, a fantasy crush who I'm like at least this person hasn't broke my heart they're still out there there's hope you really want you want me to share like, I do oh, I yeah know. Well, tell me who's yours well everybody knows mine is Harry Styles and really yeah wow um yeah, does that surprise you? Because I'm an old man. No, it does. That's not what I meant. No. It started as a joke. When I was at BuzzFeed, I became like the boy band reporter and would write a whole bunch about One Direction. And then I was at one point, I was like, "Fuck, I'm like in this now. It's like part of it's like right. part of my like work and life now. Your identity. Um, yeah. Wow. So it's like uh, you're gonna be on Ellen, and they're gonna like roll him out. <laughs> Wait, I met him at his show, and he he like knew who I was. Did he? Yeah. Because we've communicated so much like on the internet. But then wow. it, but it's like, yeah, you have to kind of remind yourself like he's... You've a... projected so <laughs> much onto this person. Yeah, it was like, oh, oh yeah. But I think they're necessary. Okay, so mine is Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, I yeah. I absolutely adore one. him. Mm -hmm. I think he's like so daring in his art and he's so cool. And so, yeah, every time relationship breaks down I'm like you know what it could it, it could have been you could have fallen in love with him right. and you would never recover from that and I also remind myself like say I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan and mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like Lisa Marie Presley had to get over Michael Jackson you right. can get over this twerp you yeah. know <laughs> so, um, but I think they're helpful in like and the, I used to do that even this is how I know it's so fake but also so it's your imagination helping you I had a huge huge crush on 
And I think this is where my Jake Gyllenhaal obsession started. Uh, Prince of Persia, the video game, not yes. the movie character. Right. I was obsessed with him. I was so in love with the character, even though he was like pixelated and everything. <laughs> but I just was like, this is my goal, man. This is who I'm shooting for. And he's so strong and he's so independent and he's thoughtful. And, and all these things I projected onto him that I've since projected onto a real person who's probably <laughs> mostly my imagination, you know? Have you met Jake Gyllenhaal? No, I haven't. Do you want to, or is that, does that mystery... I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't kind of hope by going to New York. I didn't <laughs> slightly take this plane knowing that he lives here. Yeah, I really want to meet him. Okay. But he's probably... Nothing what I expect. Right. That is the other thing is like you put a lot of, you put a lot of energy into like this idea of someone and then when yeah, you yeah, meet yeah. them it's like, oh no, yeah. you're nothing like I thought. No, yeah, that would be Or sad. they're exactly like you thought or, and all your dreams come true. Or the worst part is like they're just a nice person but you don't click. Right. Remember I had that with um I was a huge Tim Burton fan. It wasn't the same thing, didn't have a crush on him. Right. But I loved his movies and I was like, if we meet, I'll be his muse. He'll write films <laughs> about me, it's gonna be so amazing. And like I met him at a premiere, he was drunk, he said hello, took a picture with me and Nothing. How was that? And I yeah. was like, wait, this this beautiful artistic kinship that I thought we had is not there. Or right. this person is not open to it. So yeah, I don't know. That 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 those experiences are also disappointing. Right. Although I do think you're an interesting person to talk to about this because you started writing JK Rowling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And she responded. Right. And now like you know one another. Yes. So like that worked. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I love attracted that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really believe in law of attraction. Yeah. Thing. Do you know that thing? Explain it. Well, so it's like you uh, have to, uh, Conor McGregor uses this as well, uh-huh. by the way. You have to visualize it, but you have to visualize just like and, and experience the feeling of being those things rather than um, wanting it. Because if you stay in that state, the state of wanting it, the universe like only hears that, and they're like, "Okay, you you want to want this, but you, you're not going to be, you're not going to embody right, it." Right. And that's also another reason why I think it's good to have fantasy crushes because sometimes I have visualized myself of Jake Gyllenhaal's girlfriend, and I'm like, Jake Gyllenhaal's girlfriend wouldn't get up at 11 a.m. and watch Netflix, <laughs> and it makes me a better me. It makes me have better habits. So. See, I'm like Harry Styles' boyfriend would get up at 11 a.m. and watch <laughs> Netflix, so that's would what he, I do. Would he be proud of you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he would call me and be like, are you up finally? And I'd be like, yeah. And he'd be like, good. I'm glad you slept so long. <laughs> oh, my God. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then he would come home and he would rub my belly. <laughs> See, I feed I my own fantasies. I love your, your, your self-love dialogue. That is amazing. Right. Maybe mine is too punishing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So your podcast, Chick Peeps, uh-huh. you had a recent episode about veganism or animal rights in Wizarding World. Yes, we had two episodes. Yeah, people want to hear the whole thing. They go listen to it, but I'll ask you a couple things Mm -hmm. about what you talked about. One of them was whether Hagrid is actually a friend of the animals. Right. Where do you where do you land on this? Yeah, I mean, I think Hagrid. He means well. Oh, absolutely. He's got such a big heart. He's such a softy. Um, But we kind of concluded with that episode that. He loves animals, but he's a speciesist, you know? He doesn't really care. He considers some animals food animals, and some animals are ones... Like, it is weird that, like, you bow to a hippogriff, but you've no problem, like, you know, butchering a cow. <laughs> right. Like, why, why is there that a piece of meat on your face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, the dragon meat. Wait, what house are you? I don't, I don't think I've ever been properly sorted. 
You haven't done the Pottermore quiz? I'm probably a Hufflepuff. <laughs> let's, let's be real. Okay. Um, just because I look like it. Uh, oh, what? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Uh, just like... New Scamander's a Hufflepuff. Oh, that's true. Mm, yeah. yeah. I've taken quizzes and always gotten different results. Okay. Um, usually like Ravenclaw, sometimes Hufflepuff. Right. Never one of the cool ones. But see, if you have that defeatist attitude, then you're definitely going to be in Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. Not that Connor Hufflepuff McGregor is like be in a bad house, but like, if you don't want to be a Gryffindor, you won't. That's true. You know? But Hufflepuffs are awesome. A lot of my friends are Hufflepuffs. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um, you are a Gryffindor. Gryffindor, mm-hmm. um, as Luna is. No, uh, no Luna is a Ravenclaw. That's right. I said as I said it, I realized I was wrong. Yeah. What What is the difference in you and um, her? Well, the way I see houses is it, it's how you make choices. Um, my friend and I discussed this that like Gryffindor and Hufflepuff are the heart houses, and Ravenclaw and Slytherin are the head houses. They lead with their heads, and yeah, Gryffindor lead with their hearts. But they're more like glory seeking than Hufflepuffs, mm-hmm. and they yeah they are they are brave and stick up for what they believe in. I think that's the differences. Yeah, yeah. sometimes I'm that way. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so maybe maybe yeah. I am. I definitely am a glory seeker. So we have a game we call Bowl of Shit Talk, um, okay. and this will be Harry Potter themed. Basically, <laughs> all of these are just problems that I have, and okay. I'm going to ask your opinion on them. Um, let's see. Quidditch, bad sport. We talked about that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's another thing. Harry, this happened in the movies, but Harry bought the entire trolley of sweets. <laughs> <laughs> what about all of the other children on the Hogwarts Express? <laughs> Wait, which which one did he do that in? The first one. Yeah, you were just she, like, I'll take the law. She's magic. She can just ding. Whip him back up. She's a demon also, as we learn in Cursed Child. Oh. <laughs> she, the trolley that. witch is, is just a, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Um, <clears throat> I guess so. I guess if you, she could just whip up some new ones, maybe yeah. that's fine. But in the moment, he doesn't know that. Yeah, he just he thinks he's grabby, emptying the trolley. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like flaunting his flaunting wealth his in wealth. front of Ron, who's sitting well, there I poor think it's well out meant. of his mind. He's like, I want to like have a party. For my new friend. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Give him diabetes. Um, <laughs> Why? Okay. What next? The fact that Dumbledore is gay. Uh-huh. Do you have an opinion on this? The fact that it came out like that J.K. Rowling was like, guess what? By the way. Can I tell you? I have the best story. Like, <laughs> I found out before the whole world. Okay. I was in my dressing room because I, I was a big fan and I used to like the shipping thing. And I remember people would be like, who would Luna be with? And I remember just being like, the only one who's suitable for Luna is Dumbledore. And I mean, there's a bit of a, too much of an age gap. So I remember- Just a little bit. Yeah. So like, J.K. Rowling was in my dressing room one time and I was like, geeking out about things. And I was like, Joe, I need to know, what, do you not think Luna and Dumbledore would have been a perfect pair? They're both really aloof and really quirky and they don't really care what people think of them. And they're more interested in- you know, the simple pleasures of life than the big scary picture or whatever. And J.K. Rowling looked at me, she goes, I see your point. She goes, but I'm afraid I really think Dumbledore would be gay. And this was like two years before it came out. And I was yeah. like busting with excitement <laughs> yeah, to tell she people. she put that burden on you. Yeah, but I also think, um, I love that, that it wasn't, it wasn't like a 
prominent plot point. It was just who he is. You know, so many times people make such a big deal of sexuality. And yeah. I know there's a bit of a furore at the moment that it's not being featured in the films. Right, right. But in the same way that, like, Luna's sexuality wasn't discussed, even though she was at the height of teenage hormonal phase in right. the films. It's like, I mean, I personally think Luna may have been asexual. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just, yeah, it's just an, another side of who you are. Right. But yeah, definitely. He's, he's gay. Yeah. Oh, I be- I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt that he is. I feel like the the like point against it not being a larger feature is that like, you know, if you're like a gay kid reading it, you want to like see that Somebody. represented. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, how about one more? Snape <laughs> is awful. <laughs> I feel like he became, <laughs> at a certain point, like, the poster boy for, like... Uh, what he did for love. Right. for Oh, for love. But he creeped on a girl for, like, seven years and then never got over her and treated her son like shit for, like, a decade. And for love. <laughs> that, that's what predators say. Oh, I sat outside her house and watched her for love. Do you not believe in, like, one true (laughs) love? love? (laughs) No, not love, but, like, one true love that there's some people that you just can't get over and that's it? I believe in that. But I also think that if I were to stalk him for, like, ten years. Did he stalk her? Um, little bit. Or did she lead him on? Oh, you know, like Blame I think woman. Lily. No, 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 no. I think it's both. I think it's yeah. like Lily and Snape were good friends. I think she understood him and she saw him the way other people didn't, and she right. stood up for him, for somebody who felt so shit about themselves and who was so depressed and had no love in the world. And that meant she, her, the way she saw him and the way she was kind to him made him have more love for himself. You know, and I think that of course you would attach yourself to that person. I think it's absolutely very stubborn. You know, to to not be like, okay, this girl is married. I need to let go and move on. But I think it's quite romantic. All right, <laughs> you've you've convinced me. I suppose I to sympathize. So. <laughs> I I'll sympathize with Snape and Conor McGregor now. Thanks. Did to you me. not like Conor? Conor? Um, I mean, I, he's a bit of a douche in his personal life. Yeah, uh, I I love him as a fighter. He's fine to look at. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? Uh, well, you can come see Disco Pigs in New York at the Irish Repertory Theatre. Uh, that's until March 4th. And you can check out my podcast on Chickpeeps Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we're on like iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., etc. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, we're at the end of the episode, and normally we would end an unhappy hour episode with a chaser. But this week, we're going to end by answering one of the lingering questions of this episode, which is, what house do I belong to? That's right. I'm about to take the Pottermore quiz to get motherfucking sorted. Begin the experience. The sorting ceremony. Forest or river? Am I more of a forest or a river? 
I'm probably more of a forest person because I dress like a lumberjack all the time. After you have died, what would you most like people to do? When if you're attending you're Hogwarts, which pet would you for more stories about your adventures? Which road tempts you the most? It's what they think of me while I'm alive that counts. Which is that one? Thick, richly purple drink that gives off a delicious um, smell. Of yeah, the power to change my appearance. I'm gonna go with the cobbled street lined with ancient buildings. Let's face it, Crookshanks is my bitch. I've been sorted. Congratulations on being sorted into fucking Ravenclaw. <laughs> I called it. I called it. That's my house too. Shut up. <laughs> well, at least I'm not a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I guess I'll take it. I like a good diadem. You know what I mean? I'll wear a nice tiara around my library. Anyway, that's it for this week's very special Harry Potter episode. And I think I just want to leave you with the image of Snape's pubic hair. Because I bet it's long and straight and greasy, just like the hair on his head. Think about that! You're welcome! Enjoy the rest of your day! <laughs> and that's it! Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get this podcast, hit that subscribe button, then rate us, review us, but only if it's a nice one, okay? Unhappy Hours, a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Josh Gwynn, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Max Linsky, Maddie Sprung-Kaiser, Courtney Harrell, Mark and Julian at the Invisible Studios, and this week's sponsor, Quip. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can find me on all the social medias at Matt Bellisai. That's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. Uh, Bye-bye. Oh, I have another story. So you remember from the books that the Sorting Hat sang a song? Well, when I read it, I always read it in my head to the tune of a Gilligan's Island theme song. (laughs) It went, A thousand years or more ago, when I was newly sown, there lived four wizards of renown whose names are still well known. (laughs) A three-hour tour. Bold Gryffindor from Wildmore, Fair Ravenclaw from Glen, Sweet Hufflepuff from Valley Broad, Shrewd Slytherin from Fern. A three-hour tour. <laughs> okay, that's enough.